Yes, good morning, everybody. I hope you enjoyed your summer break. It's been absolutely fantastic here in Sydney the past week or so. And to those around the country, great to have your company. Big Sports Breakfast is back. Jared Middleton, unfortunately for the fans of Mido, not so. He's having an additional week. Michael Clark is alongside me, having... I'm sure I had a very good break. What have you been? A month? A tick over a month? Benny, good morning. Morning to our listeners. Yeah, I reckon I've had, I reckon I've been good five weeks, maybe closer to six weeks. Um, nice to be back. Enjoyed every minute of the break. We've had a crack of summer. Um, but I was just saying to the boys outside, I, I said, oh, where'd you go? What'd you get up to? What'd you do? I, I did nothing. Mm. <laughs> I didn't do a thing. I spent time at home, had family. Uh, all my family come around over Chrissy and New Year, so I had a full house of kids, dogs, and mum and dad and my sister. Um, and, mate, I just, yeah, I enjoyed Sydney weather and kept it pretty chilled. Kept out of trouble, which was a miracle for me over that Chrissy break. A refreshing change. <laughs> <laughs> but for a, a guy who would have spent most of his professional career travelling. Yeah, true. It's true. refreshing just to sit at home. Were you head chef? I did a bit of cooking, not when the old man right. steps in the house. You, you turn the barbie on and you go pay for the meat, but no, you don't cook it. That's that's dad's job. Or the ham, you don't cut the ham. You get the ham and give the, give the knife to the old man. But You can no, still did a lot of cooking. the ham yourself. Well, yeah, but you just, you just got to be careful. It's like when you walk into somebody else's house, you live by their rules. When dad comes, it's, it's still... Yeah, there's one man of the house. It's there's not, always it's a not, pecking it's order. It's not me, yeah. So, but no, nah, lots of food. We did do some eating. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, how good's the just leftover ham, ham, tomato on toast for about four weeks after Christy Day? Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> just shove it into the pillowcase, the wet pillowcase, oh, yeah. and hope that it survives what, the month. Can somebody explain to me the white vinegar? Why do they put? Why does everyone say put white vinegar over the pillowcase or the tea towel that you wrap it in? I have no idea. Loza, any idea what the white vinegar is? Uh, morning, boys. No, morning. I've got no idea. Okay. No, I, I take no interest at all, actually. <laughs> Were you I, I love chef? eating ham. Yeah, I love ham. Were you head chef? Over no, the no, no, break? no, no, no. I just sit back and relax. I have things done for me. I don't, I don't overexert there's that, myself. Pe- there's that's, that pecking order right there, yeah, Benny. That's, that's what's called holidays. <laughs> good morning to everyone, by the way. Good morning. I hope everyone had a great start to 2024. Um, but no, the ham... Mm. I love it. It lasts for a long oh, time. Yeah. You have it in the morning. You have it for lunch. You have it for dinner. You get a lot of uh, food out mm. of it. Well, we hosted Christmas for the first time in Sydney. And I tell you what, time management is the biggest drama when it comes to cooking the Christmas feed. So all of the mums out there, or the dads for that matter, that have been head chefing across yeah, Christmas it's... for the past... Well, how long have I been alive? 41 years, mm. hats off, yeah. because it is tough. The delegation process, I didn't yeah. realise it starts six weeks out. Oh, you've got to have a plan, and you've got to stick to that plan. Otherwise, that can be chaos. That's so what I yeah. try and do, I try and make myself look busy. Mm. I'm not actually busy, <laughs> but I look busy. Uh, See, and I'm like, not a tinkerer. My key is... But I'll get a hammer out, and I'll start doing a... Yeah, look like you're Just fixing like, something. Hit the fence, a nail on the fence or something. If I invite mum, if I invite mum, there's your structure right there. Yeah. Like mum's always been the structure in our family. So as long as she's there, yeah. and she still doesn't mind bossing everyone. So like she'll tell the old man what he has to do. She'll tell me when to turn the barbie on yeah. or get the cutlery out or go and get this or this is the alcohol we yeah. drink. Like she's 
There's no, you don't even, you know, I don't have no. to think about structure. Mm. I just got to do as I'm told, yeah, which actually sounds like well, it's, my it, childhood. Well, it's good. <laughs> and I wasn't good at that it's either. It's just, I'm good at labouring. Yeah. If I'll someone th- tells me what to do, <laughs> then you do it. I, I can do it. <laughs> so I need to go and pick up something, I'll yeah. go and pick it up. Yeah. If I need to move something, I'll move it. Yeah. It sounds as though you're more of a sous chef than a head chef. Two I see, good two I see. Yeah, I'm a good vice captain. I I don't want to have the responsibility of organising because plans can go to shit pretty quickly. See, I'm I'm, I'm different. People can get upset. People can blow up. I like organising because I hate ever being underfed. Like to me, Mm. if you're hosting, it's compulsory to have leftovers. I'd rather too much food than not enough. Well, there's an old saying, better off to look at it than look for it. There you go. So I don't mind going, I like to, because I love hosting as well, because I don't like traveling, so I like to bring everyone in. So I'm happy to go and get everything so I know we're not going to run out, but then when it comes to the cooking, it's like, you know, I'm not treading on dad's toes. No. He's, 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 he's meant to cook the barbecue. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what is good. The barbecue the next day after oh, Christmas. Like just leftovers Boxing in day. general. The barbecue for breakfast, bacon See, we're eggs. a seafood Boxing oh. Day family. So yeah. that's when we really launch into the seafood. A really? few people do that in the evening as sort of a, a lighter finish to the big oh, you go Christmas lunch. No, breakfast. we have a box. Yeah, so we have a Boxing Day seafood lunch. That's where we launch oh, yeah, into yeah, the yeah. prawns. And, so you oh, don't eat brekkie the next actually, morning? Actually, like I've, got a, I've got a villain. I, I go a massive big sort of brekkie, Christmas Day brekkie. Yeah. Because mm, I only get, I I got to obviously share my daughter, so I had her in the morning this year. Yep. So then I have to get her to her mum for afternoon. So we just went nine nine thirty a.m. We did we did presents at about five thirty. Yeah. But nine thirty, we just went huge spread. Oh, well, it was a combination breakfast lunch. Right. Let's get to the crux of it now. Were you happy? You as well, Ben. Were you happy with your presents this year? Honesty mm. test. I'm still I'm, owed honesty one. Honesty test. I'm still owed one. Yeah, I'm still owed it. Right. It's my I fault. I'm, I'm owed a tennis racket. That's a good gift, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good gift. I yeah, I'm I'm always happy with my pro. I don't. I think. I think to me, I'm at a stage. If it's, if some no, I didn't get any undies, no. which is a miracle. Mum bought me no undies. That's a miracle. Right. I think if you get something these days, you're grateful. Like I don't think yeah, you look as closely at what you get. Mm. Well, maybe I'm single though as well. If you got, you know, your missus, then you're expecting a treat. Mm. But family, I'm just happy. Mum and dad get a bottle of wine or something like that. I'm over the moon. I like always saying, look, I don't need a present. I don't want yeah, a present. Yeah, you do need a present need and a you present. do want a present. It that means you want special. a good one. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I would happily give and receive nothing. <laughs> that said, that said. You, hang on, say that again. <laughs> so, hang on, say that again. Yeah. You would happily give nothing. and receive nothing. Absolutely. On Christmas Day. But the presents don't mean much to me. In terms oh, of Maddie, I would much prefer... Oh, I, I need a, Mate, I need a gift. You've got to give a gift. You, can, you, you gotta, cannot... I do give a do gift. You, that is I give the, you've got to receive one, too. If you're giving, you want a little, you want <laughs> Mate, a little something back. You're Come lying on. straight up. I'm but not, giving, Mate, that's the greatest Everyone feeling. wants a Christmas yeah. present. Even if you say no, I no, don't No, definitely. You can't wake up from Santa and not have a present. But it's 90% crap. doesn't matter. That's my point. Mate, it's wrapped up. <laughs> Santa's dropped it off. The effort that mate. goes into it. 
Hey, that's today it. we're talking heroes and villains. Maybe I'm the villain. Well, that's not uh, a good start. I, I'm a Christmas Grinch I at bare minimum. I don't like giving or receiving. <laughs> no, I know. Mate, can you come and have Christmas with me one year? For what it's worth, I was only talking Christmas presents. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Birth, I just want to reiterate that point. Heroes and villains. We've had a fair bit of time to think about it over the course of the... The past, what, five, six weeks since we've heard from you guys, there have been a few along the way. Unfortunately, last night, for those who followed the tennis, uh, we have a, well, a new one. Alex Demonor looked as though he might progress, two sets to one up, but Andre Rublev, he's probably most of Australia's villain this mm. morning. Uh, did a brilliant job to ultimately secure the win in five uh, Novak a few years ago, he was a villain to many, but seems to have won a few back over the journey and looking for a, another Australian Open title. That bid. Can someone still tell alive. me what the Novak night was about? Did you see that on? I think it was on Channel Nine. That mm. Novak host. I think it was for charity, but it was like I feel like we just bagged Novak as much as anyone on the planet, mm. and then he must have done a deal with the Australian Open, to have, I think it was a charity event, but the whole night was a, it was a Novak night. He played, um, he was playing singles, he was playing doubles, they had, uh, mate, they had running rate, they had a number of different celebrities. Smitty was there, Steve Smith was there, having a hit against Novak. I I don't know exactly what it was for, but I was like... Had a decent (laughs) forehand too, Steve. Smitty can play tennis. He's not the worst, but I was just surprised that we've gone from... We're in love with Novak. Well, we wouldn't let him into the country. Yeah. And now we're putting on a charity event to well, help. I I, it must have been his cause I, or whatever it was, I, which is unreal. I, didn't, I didn't see that, but what I did see, Novak blowing up at a fan in the crowd. Oh, really? Yeah. You heard why, though? No, I didn't. I, so just before, well, he had to blow up, so I can't speak for the, the first one. The one where he said, come down and say it to my face. Oh, no, I did see that. I heard that in his press conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was it? What just was before the... match point, the fella said, go and get vaccinated. He screamed out, go and get vaccinated. Just before match point. That's all right, isn't it? He's there, he's doing his... That's all right. He's there doing his 45 bounces. I thought it must have been something heavier. Yeah, that's all right. And what did Novak want to fight him? I don't know what... (laughs) Come down here and say to my face, no, it wasn't about the vac, surely. I don't know how it escalated. No, you can audibly hear it. Prior to match point, you can hear the guy yell it. But what did he want it said to his face then? That hasn't been said to him before. I dare say it would have. I don't know who's less popular, actually. Novak yeah. or Sverev at the moment, but I think the Mate, less Novak's love about. now. He's, he's, right. he's people's champ, Novak. Have you got a villain that jumps jumps to mind over the past few weeks? I'm, I'm, I got one. I'm harsh at the moment. I'm mine, harsh. Mine, the, mine's a you, team. Ooh. It's not hard to work out. Oh, not the Wallabies. <laughs> no, 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 no. Give him a break, I'm, all, I'm bored. The Who are you going for? Mate, the West Indies. Well, I'll, yeah. I was going to say cricket as well. I, 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 Aussies have been 10 out of 10, but geez. The, mate, any chance of playing catch? Pakistan, right. West Indies, any chance of playing catch? It wasn't a good start in the West Indies when the first catch was put down by the keeper either. But mate. I thought they've, they are so clearly... Not as good Inferior. as Australia. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. like West Indies are like the under-19s. Even when you look at them when they sing the anthem, they look... Yes. And they are a young team, which is awesome. If yeah. West Indies can keep this squad together five years from now, because they're very talented, mm. but in regards to watching the Australian team play a summer of cricket, I, I, th- both oppositions haven't been great to, to watch. And Pakistan had their chances, but they just couldn't catch. Well, as you know, being an avid cricket fan, but more importantly, a South Australian cricket fan. It was bitterly disappointing to see yet another test match down there 
not get to the end Five of a third days. day. Yeah. It was so frustrating. Absolutely. And it's the second year in a row they've copped the West Indies, which, you know, with all due respect to the West Indies, mm. it's never going to quite see out the five days. But the chatter down there is, hey, we're happy to jump on this grenade. We'll cop the West Indies back-to-back years. We'll, ha- we'll cop a Wednesday start. We'll cop a post-Christmas start. But you're going to give us a night test for the <coughs> India series next summer, pre-Christmas, and you're going to give us a night test for the Ashes pre-Christmas. I've got to say, I, I missed Adelaide being a day-nighter. Hmm. I, I think it's it's the perfect day-night test match. The the facilities there, the conditions are perfect for it. I'm really nervous about this last test at the Gabba. A day-nighter there. If Australia bowl first, so there's a little bit in the wicket, and they win the toss and bowl, mate, it could be a two-dayer. I'm that nervous. If, if, at the Gabba where there's pace and bounce and under lights, you get a little bit of dew as well. So the pitch quickens up a bit. Mate, you can – yeah. it could be over quickly. So I hope – I hope we, that's not the case. But, yeah, that's – but that's – I'm not – the Aussies have been unbelievable. Mm. Individually and, the, and all of them as a team. They've been unbelievable. Don't get me wrong. Take nothing away from them. And it's not their fault. They're playing Pakistan. They're playing Western. He's just got to beat them. And they've done that and doing that. But – I've got to say, I, I agree with you, Laws. I think, I, I think we, we test cricket needs the test matches, especially in this country, for Australian fans that have so many choices, yeah. to be ultra competitive. I, I reckon we're lucky we've got India and England coming up in mm. the next two years because they're series that everyone looks forward to. And with the rise of T20 around the world and these nations that haven't got the same capacity or the... Yeah. The, the way to fill the players' pockets like we do here in Australia and India. And I heard you say it. India, if they don't want to play Mate, test cricket... As soon cricket, as they say no more, test cricket's in deep trouble. India, why India still want to play, we'll still have test cricket. Yeah. But I said a couple of weeks ago on this other program I'm doing, um, it, they need to find a way to make, I reckon... Test cricket's wage, like individual wage, how much you're paid per game, exactly the same. So the ICC need to step in now and say, okay, an Australian player gets, and I'm, I'm guessing a number, but let's say the Australian player gets $20,000 for a test match. Well, then the South African player needs yeah. to get 20000 The West Indies player needs... I think that is the only way the individual is going to be able to stay in that format. This young, uh, this young West Indies team, for example, the highest paid West Indies player is probably on a 200000 US contract, $200,000. That same player will go and get offered a million dollars or $1.5 million at the IPL. So you can't blame the player for saying, okay, I'm not going to go and play for West Indies in April when they've got a test series in Australia. I'm going to go and play IPL. So they choose the 2020 route, but the money is so significantly different. You can't blame the player. Australia different because that player's contract's $2 million, $2.5 million. But... It's really only Australia, India, and England that are being paid enough money, I think, to keep them selecting playing for their country first. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because it's the countries that bring the most money in to the ICC that then get distributed the most money out until a country like India or Australia says, all right, we'll, we'll sacrifice a piece of our pie, which it'll have to be Australia. Well, the only thing I was going to say on that, that's not completely true because I reckon 90% of the income into our sport is from India. 
So they should be paid a hundred grand a test match if that's what they're going to do. You know well, what I mean? Well, they are paid the vast majority of the ICC money, but I agree it's probably not reflective Still, of their overall yeah, percentage. Yeah. I, I think they're forty. And, and no, but recently that that's only yeah. changed in the well. I want to say recently, the last probably four years that's changed. But they'll bring in the same income in, and we're getting. I think at one stage it was like 12%. Of, but the gap's getting wider, isn't it? It is and getting wider. The... Oh, We've just got to find a way. And unfortunately, it seems in our in the world we live in that money is a significant player. So I think the ICC and probably those three boards need to come together and say, okay, if test cricket is as important as we're all saying it is, then we have to find a way where those three countries are probably going to have to take a hit and help these other countries out. Because it's what South Africa have done to send their really, their second-string team to New Zealand to play the test matches because they got their home 2020. I think that is a real good look at where we are going. Oh, they had seven debutants in their test as well. Just uh, obscene. That test only lasted two days. Yeah. Craig, text in. We do need to get to a break, but welcome back, Loz and Clarky, and good luck to you, Ben, captaining the BSB team this week. For those who missed it, Jared will be back next week. Hero, the Australian Open, the overall standard of tennis so far has been unbelievable, and that was certainly the case again yesterday, albeit Djokovic made the 20th seed look like the 200 in the world. Uh, The villain's summer of cricket, so those sentiments certainly echoed, has been underwhelming to be kind, according to Craig. The test series between Pakistan and, of course, Australia and the West Indies as well, they were both a big yawn. Yep. Kind of hard to argue, but we still have a test to play, and fingers crossed we get a cracker up there in Brisbane. Plenty of headlines across the sporting world on the tennis front with the Australian Open in... Well, we're in the middle of it at the moment, aren't we? Alex Demonor was the headline act last night, and for those who missed the result, his first Australian Open quarterfinal, well, that bid has been ripped apart by Andre Rublev. It was a thriller. Went to five sets, four six. And then 7-6, the way of Alex Demonor, 7-6 in the second. Suddenly you thought, he's going to pull this one from the fire. But the final two sets went the way of Rublev, 3-6 and then 6-zip in the last. So, unfortunately, from a singles dream side of things, Australia's dream has ended. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Because he's quite a liked tennis player, and in particular here in Australia, he's our best player. Uh, And I think the thing that we all love about Alex is his fight and his determination to try and hang in there and compete on every point. But he just come up against a better player. Uh, it was always going to be hard, this tennis tournament, for him to go deep into it, I suppose. But Novak is just doing what he does. He's winning. Uh, but it's been a, been a good tournament, I suppose, for Alex, although he'd be disappointed. Did you? Getting knocked out in the fourth round. I think that's the third year in a row. Is it, that right? It is. And. Yeah. Uh, what, I wanted, as soon as I saw that result, I wanted to put it to you guys. You could argue that it's a great result. He beat Djokovic in the lead-up. He's been absolutely flying. He was into the top 10 in the world. You can't ask for more. But he's probably going to look back on it as somewhat of a missed opportunity. Is there, over the course of your careers, and you're probably going to say there were many, but that's a lie, is there a standout loss or moment where you went, where it still irks you, that you can't get it back? A oh, loss most definitely. Most definitely there is. Yeah. Well, which one jumps out uh, to you? The one for us would have been 95, losing to the Bulldogs in a semi-final. We, we, we won our first final against the Broncos. and We had to go to Brisbane to play, and we earned the week off. And then we played the Bulldogs at the football stadium. It was a wet day. And for whatever reason, we just didn't play our best football on the day. And we had a great opportunity to go back-to-back and win a comp from 94 and go 95. So that's a game that sticks out in my memory. But just on Alex, though, it's a bit like a footy team that 
you, you, you get to the, a certain stage every year. Like you, you make top eight, you make top eight, you make top eight, and then you bounce out in the finals. That's where he's at at the moment. So mm. he's got to find a way mm. now to go to that next level and get to the quarter, get to the semi, and then hopefully go on and win. He's not going to have better preparation than what he had. He, no. he's, he's coming to this unbelievable form, full of confidence. But I, again, no disrespect. To, I, I feel like this is exactly where he's at. Oh, you, you can't put him in the same class as a as a Djokovic. Like, oh, no. like if he if he makes the final, if he makes the final, we are doing backflips. So I, I think because of his lead in and his success and beating Djokovic, and again, no disrespect, that's a that's a troll game for Djokovic. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know it's still an important tournament, but him losing, man, he's Harvey Norman. Like, he, I just don't think it's... The, he's here for one reason. He's come to Australia for one reason, and he'll leave Australia <laughs> being successful again. He's just... It, it, like, I just... I think Alex is where he's at, and, yeah, we, we want him to be the best in the world, but I think he's making the most of everything he's got. I mean, he, he reminds me so much of Leighton, but playing in a different era. Mm. You know, it's just these... I just feel like the power, the speed, it's just everything's increased so much from when Leighton played... Um, you know, just just strength in general is so different. So, I don't know. I think he's done awesome, Alex, and I think he's he's met expectations. If anything, he's mm. he's gone better than a lot of people would have expected. So, I don't know. But again, any athlete doesn't matter where you sit. You you love winning. So when you lose, you you're disappointed. I guess the loss for me that I don't think I'll we uh, losing the Ashes in fifteen two thousand fifteen. I thought we had a I thought we had a better team than England. I think we should have won that series. So that was a big part of why I retired as well, because I think we underachieved. So yeah, I don't know if I'll ever get over that. But um, yeah, it's not a. It's never a nice feeling when you you, you let you, one slip. Well, you just yeah. I, it's it's you try and say it as respectfully as you can, but you know you should have won. Like you know you were better than them, but then. You, you obviously weren't because you lost. And that's a great example in, in team sport as well, that it's the better team wins. doesn't matter if you've got better individuals. If you don't connect and play your best cricket as a team, a lot of the time you do lose, certainly in test cricket. It wasn't the only headline from a tennis front. When you have a look across the back pages of the Daily Telegraph and the Courier Mail as well, it's hard to believe that a Hewitt is back there. Uh, but, of yeah. course, Leighton Hewitt's son, Cruz, and I can't wait to have a chat to Roger Rashid, who... Uh, knows Leighton so well to get his thoughts on his son playing, albeit in a loss, but he was giving away a fair bit of age and size to the opponent. And I think his opponent's actually ranked. I think he's about... Oh, really? Yeah, 1,050, somewhere around that mark, maybe 1,100 in the world. So it was a decent effort just to put up a fight. Uh, UFC features in the headlines, of course, NBL's Queensland derby. Uh, There was a little bit of a scuffle there, a little bit of chatter as well about the Gabba test and Cricket Australia avoiding the term Australia Day on that front as politics enters sport yet again. Uh, But it really is the Australian Open that is the main discussion point. For those who missed some of the other overnight results, Liverpool managed to win 4-0 against Bournemouth in their Premier League clash overnight. Last play, Sheffield United. They equalised with a penalty in the 13th minute. That was an action-packed period of stoppage time, so they salvaged a two-all draw with West Ham in the Premier League as well. Baltimore's going to host the AFC title game for the first time since 71 after they surged past the Texans 34-10. 
And with hopes of the franchise's sixth Lombardi trophy hanging in the balance, the Niners forged their fourth quarter comeback of the season and escaped with a thrilling win, 24-21 to on that front. Hey, I've got a decent villain, I reckon, and one that might irk a few of our listeners. I know we are primarily an NRL uh, haven, uh, but from an AFL front, Collingwood is in my sights. What's happened? I want to find out. Well, what's, your, what's your beef? Well, I think it's best if we wait. <laughs> because I reckon once I tell you, even those oh, that no. are magpies at heart, flagpies this year, wow. even the flagpies at heart will agree Don't that this bag one... my magpie. Side <laughs> by side, we stick together. Mate, it's got a little bit of a smell to it, I reckon. Great to have your company on the Big Sports Breakfast in terms of heroes and villains, which we certainly want to get your thoughts, 135353 or 0419767272. We want your thoughts on heroes and villains, but we have had a few sent through already. Just having a look, the retirement of a tennis legend in John Millman. He's been a bit of a fan favourite for a long time and got the most out of his body, no doubt about that, his body and ability. The soap opera saga with Steve Smith, that is the villain. Our thoughts go out to Renshaw, Bancroft and Harris. They were dudded. That one in from Brad. What do you think of the Steve Smith opening experiment? Uh, I think he's probably better equipped than the the other options, only because he's such a good player. And I think Smith is a good enough player to bat anywhere in the order. So if he wants, if he wanted to do that, I think it'd be very hard to say no to him. Um, I, I do feel for uh, those three. Well, Renshaw's in the squad, and he's a chance of playing this test if Kawaja doesn't come up fit after that head knock he got. Um, so Renshaw would still be, I'm sure he's over the moon that he's still in the squad. But I think Bancroft particularly, and Harris. Harris, probably his comments make it very clear that he assumed being an opening batsman was a, a specialised position, which I think has always been the Australian way. But yeah, I, I think it's hard to... It's hard to knock them giving Steve Smith the opportunity. I think there could have been a bit more conversation around if Cam Green was opening the batting. I think that that would be – there would be three test matches, I reckon. He'd be given three test matches, six bats. If he makes no runs, they'd probably go back to a specialist. I think Smitty, he's just that good a player. Like, if he can't make it at the top, no one can. He can bat anywhere in the order. Well, he has. I think he started at nine. I think the only place yeah. he hasn't batted is number one, where he is now. So um, – and again, he got nicked off the other day, but so what? You're allowed to nick one. He's still, in my opinion, he's still the best batsman in that team. Um, and if the best batsman in the team says, I want to open the batting, like if Ricky Ponting said he wanted to open the batting, nobody would stop him. If Sir Donald Bradman said he wanted to open the batting, no one would stop him. So why why has there been the the conflict around... Steve Smith, if that's what he wanted wants to do because he thinks it's best for the team and it gives him that second kick to, you know, continue to be the best player in the world like he has been for probably five years, mm. um, you know. But, I, yeah, I feel for the other guys, of course. And, and in my day, you know, opening the batting, I think opening the batting is the hardest position to bat um, and I think it is a specialist position. But I, I think I'm just saying I think Smith is good enough to, to do it. Over the course of the weekend, I did see comments thinly veiled from Harris essentially saying, well, they appear to have made a decision not to select specialist batsmen. I don't think that is entirely right in this scenario, but I agree with you. Had that have been green opening... Well, there's more room because it's Smitty that there's there's not much... You can't really complain. He's been that good. How can you... Well, mate, you, you know the game better than anyone. 
and, and I'm, a, I'm a novice just watching it, all right? And I've only seen limited amount of Bancroft and Harris. Yeah. Both those guys, to me, yep. don't strike me as a five to ten year opener for Australia. Uh, I think they're very good players, but yeah, I don't see. I, I don't know, know it takes time yeah. to develop. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I don't go. Yep, that's our long term hmm. option. Oh, I think. Whereas, say a Renshaw, I sort of liked him when he was playing yeah. for Australia. And I thought yeah. he had. He looked like he had something. Well, the long term. The long term. If they went for long term, I think they and he was fit and healthy and had been playing a lot of cricket. I think they would have went Pukowski. He's he's a ten year. There's yes. no doubt about it. Yes. He's got the potential to play all three formats. Uh, he's got leadership qualities. He's a long termer for Australia. He's just probably not ready to come back into the Australian team because of the I forgot about him, the yeah. concussion stuff. So once uh, that's going to be the challenge now with Smitty and Kawaja, how how long they play for will determine who the next opener is. If those two both play for another, let's say twelve months, let's say. Uh, Uzi, because Uzi's already sp- mentioned, you know, I don't know how long I'll play for. If he plays for another 12 months, I think that gives Pekoski another season of domestic cricket. If he's making runs, yeah. I think they'll end up going to him because then he is still young. He ha- he's still a 10-year player. They'll, he will be the next open that comes in. But it really depends on how Smitty goes, how long Kawaja plays for. But, yeah, it's it's a tough one because those guys – Bancroft particularly, but Bancroft, Harris and Renshaw have all been making runs at first-class level. Mm. So the selectors say, if you're making runs, you get an opportunity. Now they're going to say, well, I might as well go back and bat four in shield cricket. It's easier to bat there, make more hundreds, and then pick me to open the batting for Australia mm. there. That's what I think, that's yeah. their frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I can understand that of if, course. I'm, if I'm an opening batter. But it's amazing with Uzi too, isn't it? Like three years ago. He was on the outer. Oh, mate. There and was no coming as, back. And seen it, to your point, yeah. seen as a short-term solution. solution. Yeah. Kadic was seen as a short-term solution. Michael Hussey. Rogers was seen as a short-term Hussman? solution. He was picked at 34. Hussman was selected Adam Voges, short-term. Yeah. He's got the second-best average yeah. to Bradman. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, sometimes. Well, the number yeah. thing as well, that's why I'm always I, – I, the number has, has never bothered me. And I see both sides. I don't care if you're, if you're 40 and still making runs and you love the game and want to keep playing, keep mm. going. But on the other side, if you're 17 and you're making runs, you, you should give the, give the kid a crack. You know, I, I, I think these days as well, how professional sport is, what you do recovery, how good you look after your body. To me, the numbers are a lot different now in all sports, yeah. but particularly in cricket. If you're performing, mate, keep playing or get him in, one or the other. Brett from Penrith. Morning, fellas. Welcome back. It's been way too long. My hero this week has to be the Sydney Sixers. They've caught fire at the right end of the year and saying that my villain has to be the BBL it's a glorified domestic competition. Should never let the marquee players go early from the tournament. You have a look at a few of the others. Lloyd from Newport. Morning, gents. Hero, the Packers. In fact, there have been a few amount of case for the Packers. I saw Graham from Currajong was giving them a pump up as well. And he's not a fan of Jordan Love. So, there you go. That's from Lloyd at Newport. I would like to nominate Collingwood as my villain. Yeah, I'm interested in this. So, Collingwood accepted or bid for and accepted a $15 million grant to inject um, new facilities and finance into women's sport off the back of them having an AFLW team and I think more primarily a netball team as well. They used that $15 million to create one hell of a facility and on the weekend, for some reason, someone within their social media department 
thought it was savvy to have one of their players pumping up their new facilities and showcasing it. And it was their men's team on an AstroTurf stadium, indoor stadium. Everyone who looked at it immediately knew what it was. So they've ditched their netball team. They lost a million bucks in a financial year and they said, no, it's not going to work for us. They've converted the netball stadium, the netball facility, into an indoor training facility for the men and women, but the football department and primarily the men is what I'm guessing. You could still see the seats. You could still see some of the stuff that you require for a netball stadium. All they've done is the AstroTurf. There's still a basketball ring and I think a netball ring down one end. And it was so poorly received. You should see the comments. But can I ask you, are you more upset with the fact that they've Got the grant, taking, the taking, taking, taking into account part of it was for netball, and yeah. then they've canned the netball, netball yeah. and now just turned it into a football facility. Or are you looking at it like they've canned the girls? I think they made a business decision with the netball team. So I, without knowing the inner workings of the business, I couldn't really make comment on that. But I will no. say that I think they should give the majority of the grant back. They'd say, well, t- tough luck. We'd be- build the facility. Right, because uh, what I would say to that is that if that was their plan and things go wrong and netball are no longer a part of their business, well, you can't just keep the netball facility there if you've got no netball team. Well, they would argue you can, and you just well, refurbish you it. it. But it, and also, the refurbishment's taken six months. No one else can get a build done in six months. It's almost like they had a bit of foresight there. I could be wrong. But anyway, <laughs> to the mag- <laughs> this is personal. This is again, definitely I'm personal. I'm only asking you a couple of questions because I, I, I can, don't, can you? How does no. how does Collingwood lose their netball team as well? How does you'd like to think with the 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 fan base they have, the support they have in any code that they would be able to keep their team? You would also think that if I was speaking so passionately about this, that I would have attended netball, and that's. That's part of the problem. Everyone mm. is quick to say, oh, how's, how's the netball been passed mm. on to another yeah, channel? Yeah, true. How's netball struggling for major sponsors? Well, the answer is people don't watch. And no. while I will say the games but, that I have gone to here in Sydney, the, they have been packed. But the but Swifts, not the Swifts yeah. are a strong brand and they have but record numbers. That's now, my they? point with Collingwood. Collingwood's a strong brand, right? Uh, yeah, the football club is. Just fan base in general. Mm, well, how's the how's the what's the how's the support for Collingwood, um, the women's AFL? I, I'd imagine that'd still be one of the most supported teams. They would, and they yeah. will use the facility. How too, does that not it? cross over to netball? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You'd like to think that would cross over to netball as well. I we, see that James we, from Merriweather's upset. That was a good three minutes we discussed Aussie rules, <laughs> and as it turns out, he's decided that is too much for him. So I'm now his villain. I apologise. I was born in Adelaide, and that's what you get. Uh, so my hero, for what it is worth, is Rachel King. So she became the first female jockey to win, the JR, to win a JRA group race over in Japan. So it was aboard Chuck Nate. Claimed the Group 2, the American Jockey Club Cup, over the 2200 in Nakayama over the weekend. And to Rachel, she won't be listening because she's still overseas. But you and James McDonald, who picked up another Group 1 at uh, in Hong Kong over the weekend, congratulations to both of you. But she's my hero. Your hero and villain, Loz. Uh, well, you stole my hero as well. Oh. Yep, Rachel King. Sorry. No, no, no. That's good. We've, we're both on the same page, mm. see? 
Goodbye, is it telepathy? Alike. Is that Goodbye what they call it? Um, so, yeah, well done to Rachel King. And my villain has just been the cricket, yep. the, the test series. Mm. It's just been sort of one side. And I know Pakistan had their moments in a couple of test matches that they played, but they were just no match for Australia, and the West Indies in particular. Yeah, they haven't been great. Oh, no. I'm cricket biased. I'm obviously with Loz in regards to the villains. I think the, the quality and the standard of this Australian summer hasn't been exactly what we are probably all hoping for. But then in the same breath, my hero is the Australian cricket team because you can only beat your opposition. And I think the way they have played has been exceptional. I think they've showed they are. There is a huge gap between these two teams and Australia, which there should be. Um, the other thing as well that I've loved about this Australian team and that we probably haven't given them enough credit is this bowling attack. Oh. Hazelwood, Stark, Cummins, Lyon. Oh, my God. Phenomenal, and they cop so, especially Starkey. But mate, there was talk about Hazelwood. Is he going to? Is he fit to play Test cricket? He hasn't played much Test cricket. He's going to get injured, mate. There's talk about Paddy Cummins. His captaincy is is the captaincy going to affect his bowling? Mate, these guys have been magnificent their entire careers. Mm. Their records are phenomenal as a combination. They're great. I, I think I think we underrate. This attack, and I think when they all three, all four, and decide to walk away from the game, we'll sit back and go, mate, we we haven't had too many better attacks than these four, as a combination. That's pretty good, very good. Time for traffic. Let's have a listen to that, and then we're going to catch up with Dick Fame. We have a lot to discuss with him, the NFL, where we're getting to the pinnacle, aren't we? And of course, there's plenty of other stuff happening on a US sporting front as well. Great to have you on the show, Dick, as always. No Jared Middleton, so Ben Ben Way replacing him today. Apologies, but I tell you what, I absolutely love the NFL, and especially this time of year. I feel as though in Australia, the sport has really grown, but when it comes towards Super Bowl time, it just ramps up, because we love three things. Sport, eating, and drinking, and they all marry in the Super Bowl. But the San Francisco 49ers, that was a nerve-wracking fight back, wasn't it? Wrong team won, guys. I mean, I tell you what, I, I've, been, uh, I've been on the San Francisco bandwagon all year long. I've been telling the boys that they're the best team in the NFL, that they should win the Super Bowl, but they did not look like a Super Bowl championship team yesterday. The Packers looked like the better team. They took it to San Francisco all night long. They just couldn't capitalize they you know they had a a fourth and one where they did the old quarterback sneak tush push thing I really thought Jordan Love got the spot got the first down in that first half Um, there was no review they gave it back over to San Francisco so that's three at least three points lost for Green Bay right there they had a missed kick Um, you know there there's another three points and you know you know handed to the, the 49ers that was a team that doesn't normally have to come back. That was just a, a staggering statistic they threw out during the game that Kyle Shanahan was 0-30 when trailing by a touchdown or more going into the fourth quarter. He'd never won in comeback fashion, and uh, they finally did. Brock Purdy had a miserable game until that last drive, hit a couple of passes in that last drive, did enough to allow Christian McCaffrey to plunge in for that game-winning touchdown. So... Uh, maybe it's what San Francisco needed. I still think they're the best team in the NFL. Maybe they needed this wake-up call. But if they play like they did yesterday, next week in the NFC Championship game or potentially in the Super Bowl, they could easily lose either one of those football games. Dick, surely, though, that does the 49ers' confidence the world are good, knowing they've pl- they haven't played their greatest game, but they still, most importantly, yeah. found a way to win. 
Oh, you know that's what the 49er coaches are preaching right now. They're in that locker room saying, listen, you guys played you guys played a D-plus yeah. at the very best C-minus football game, and you were still able to win. And so let's just kind of flush that. I do think the one concern, though, is we saw a situation where more of the pressure was put on Brock Purdy's shoulders because San Francisco was behind much of that game instead of what they usually are as ahead. And when San Francisco's ahead, they just give it to Christian McCaffrey, they give it to Debo Samuel, and everything's okay. Without Debo in there, because he was hurt for a majority of that game, that put more of the onus on McCaffrey, more of the onus on Brock Purdy. McCaffrey always comes through. Brock Purdy... He's not the type of quarterback that you can put a lot on his shoulders. I mean, he is not C.J. Stroud. He is not Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, Joe Burrow. Those guys can win games for you down the stretch. Brock Purdy, you just got to hope, doesn't lose you a game down the stretch. And he didn't yesterday. So he made a good pass over the middle that uh, even the commentator thought was going to get intercepted, but handed to him. It got to the right spot at the right time for a big first down. Well, you mentioned San Francisco. Uh, Dick as being one of the the best teams, but what about the Ravens, mate? They were just too good for the Texans. Lamar Jackson on fire. Uh, are they the team now that everyone's sort of looking at and going, "No, they're the clear favourites." Well, here's that's what I'm hoping, guys, because I, I'm I'm hoping that recency bias will swing the NFL line in the Super Bowl. If it is Ravens and Niners. I was thinking, well, it's probably going to be Niners minus three or so if that game were to be played. Now, because the Ravens played much better than the Niners yesterday, maybe we get some line value. Maybe we get the Niners minus one. Maybe we get a pick 'em game in the Super Bowl if the Ravens and Niners both win next week. It's a long way to go to get there, but if that's the case, then I do think you're getting a little bit of line value on the, on the 49ers. But yes, the Ravens were very, very good, but I think... There's a question with Lamar Jackson, similar type question to Brock Purdy. Can Lamar Jackson went, put a game on his shoulders at the end of a football game in crunch time in the playoffs? I mean, he's only won now two playoff games in his entire career, so there has not been a lot of sample size for Lamar Jackson to win playoff games. So it's interesting that the two best teams in the NFL have playoff question marks at quarterback. Brock Purdy, a question mark at quarterback, and Lamar Jackson, even though he's the MVP, he doesn't have a lot of experience performing in the playoffs either. So that's a that's a fascinating subplot of a potential Super Bowl matchup between those two teams. We have a huge day coming up as well. We've got the Lions hosting the Buccaneers and then the Bills favorites to beat the Chiefs today. I can't even imagine what that Bills Chiefs ratings is going to be, guys. I mean, that's <laughs> just it's going to be it's going to be the the most watched football game of the year. Um, we'll start with that one because that is uh, that is the heavyweight matchup, even though it's the second game today. And I, I got a tough time handicapping this one, guys. I think I think that number um, two and a half is about where it should be. If it's three. And I'm getting Patrick Mahomes plus a field goal. I'm probably leaning that way. But, man, this game should be as epic as it was a couple of years ago in that unbelievable Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes showdown where, you know, Mahomes went down the field in, what, 14 seconds or something like that for the game-winning field goal. I, I can only hope that this game approximates that one. 
I don't think we'll get that game because that was maybe the greatest playoff game we've seen in the last 10 or 15 years. But uh, just the potential of that type of game is just uh, it just really fires up the football fan. A lot to look forward to. And, of course, to recap as well. I'm sure we'll chat again soon, Dick, but enjoy the games today. Sounds good. And I didn't mention the Tampa-Detroit game. Now, that, that's my favorite one of the week, guys. I don't think Tampa's getting nearly an, enough respect there. If you can get Tampa at 7... I jump on Tampa at 7 all day long. Okay, noted. Suddenly three people get their tab app out. Thanks very much, Dick. Chat soon. See you, boys. Great to have your company here. This is the Big Sports Breakfast. Back for another big year. Jared Middleton will, of course, return next week. But Michael Clark and Laurie Daly alongside me. We have briefly discussed our heroes and villains. And plenty have been sending theirs through. 1353 53 or 0419767. Two seven two. So a fair few discussing the cricket when it comes to the heroes and villains. Hero Travis Head, sea ball, hit ball, what a bloke! And the villain, the Windies, have got some good bowlers but no batsmen. And Pakistan, well, they can't catch a ball. That's kind of a fair point. There were a few <laughs> drop catches and one particular slips fielder, fielder who lost absolutely all confidence. But just on Travis Head, I mean, I know I'm. I know where I'm from. I know where my allegiance is. Here he goes. Here he goes. But he is just, he, what a man. He's a great fella. He's a a great fella, Travi, as well. Um, Yeah, he's just, I think he's, he's sort of, his confidence has caught up with his talent. Like, I think, Travi, he reminds me, the way he plays, um, and maybe a little bit of his personality, it reminds me a lot of Hughesy, of Philip Hughes. Left-hand batter, Anything outside off, swings his hands through the line of the ball. Happy to hit the ball in the air. Um, yes, there's some technical deficiencies, but Husey was the same. But just knows how to score runs. Um, and he was good mates with Philip as well. Um, but I, I think he's always had the talent. It's just taken him to probably make a couple of hundreds at the highest level for him to go, no, I do belong here. This is the level I belong at. I am good enough. And now he's just, he's owning it. He's just backing himself. He's pl- he pl- plays no different in one-day cricket now to test cricket. No. And it, it, uh, whoever sent that message, right, I've just uh, the screen scrolled through, but it's, it's exactly right. Seaball, hit ball. <laughs> That's what he's doing. From the first ball when he walks out the bat to whenever he gets out, if it's in his zone, he's just taking it on. Mm. It's, it's, it's so entertaining, and it's, it's great to see uh, um, someone like Travis come in and um, – have the courage to play that way and have success, which is easier said than done because you do take a lot of risk when you play that way. Owen from Bondi, he was happy to piggyback off the back of mine and hammer Collingwood for no real reason, but he said the the point is an actual women's sporting institution could have used the $15 million far better, not for a massive club like Collingwood to make an extra few mil in the credits this year and pretend like the netball team wasn't only done to get the grant. Totally a business decision, a smart one, and pathetic from those people issuing the grants. I think that is my point. I've probably unfairly targeted Collingwood there. But to those who issue the grants, surely when you issue the grants, it comes with a commitment, a signed commitment, that you're going to stick with the women's team that you're funding for at least five years you know, we need to see well, the I money with, I, I agree school. with that, mate, because I don't think you can blame the club. The club is only doing what they can do within their rights. Well, they is, can apply for a grant. It isn't a club. It's a business. So they've done the right yeah. business decision. Well, well, whichever way you want to put it, whether it's a club, whether it's a business, they're playing within the rules. It's the people above them 
government who make those decisions. And if they didn't give them the grant based on they had to have a netball team in a competition, well, that's not Collingwood's fault. That that should have been done by the bureaucrats. Still rubs me up the wrong oh, I'm way. I'm sure it does, and it would rub a lot of people up the wrong way, Benny. Robbo, your hero and villain. Oh, happy New Year, boys. You too, buddy. Same to you, mate. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a long, a good year, a good year. Uh, heroes and villains. Well, um, I'll start with the heroes, and I'm going to give it to the Pakistanis, not because they're good cricketers. That was obviously uh, not true, but... The way they played the game and the spirit in which they played the game. You know, they, they laughed and joked and they got on with the Australians rather than like the Pommies, you know. Um, they've got bear stay syndrome, the Poms, but um, I, I was really impressed with the way they got stuck in. There was one bunnies and when Marsh got hit on the grill, but he's supposed to have that uh, concussion protocols and... Uh, Jamal came around and gave him the one, two, three on the, with the figures to count, and they all started laughing. I thought that was very clever and very funny. I completely agree about the attitude that both teams have brought up. I think even the West Indies, they know that they're probably outclassed, but they've brought the, they've brought the energy there, no doubt. Uh, any glaring villains over the past couple of months, Robbo? Yeah, you didn't say good day to me, Westy, when you're in the uh, ICC box with... Uh, was he Uh I didn't say yeah. hello to you. Yeah, day two, Sydney uh, Tech. hobnobbing? I, I doubt I was hobnobbing, but I did have... <laughs> it was a very fleeting visit. Uh, was he yeah, yeah, it was. He, um, apologies on that one, by the way. So the SCG isn't ideally set up. The facilities are fantastic, but the corporate boxes are at the complete opposite end to the commentary boxes. Yep. And a lot of the commentary team, they're used for corporate speaking yep. during the lunch breaks. So they have to make their way through. Well, CA, who I absolutely love, they said, Ben, do you mind doing us a favour and going to get Wasim over the other side? Yep. Go to get him. To say he was displeased having to walk through the crowd <laughs> to make his way to the complete oh. other end of the stadium would be an understatement to the point where he was on the phone to his manager for the bulk of the walk saying, I'm following a bloke who has no idea where he's going. I don't know who he works for, don't know who he is, um, and they're making me walk through the crowd. By the time we got to the function, which I assume Rubbo was in, oh. uh, we got maybe seven minutes in and I tried to apologise on his behalf and yeah. just said... He's got to get back to another radio yeah, commitment off the back. But, uh, Robbo, just as an aside, I, I'm going to back myself in and say Wazim may not regu- – he does live in Melbourne, but I don't think he would be regular to the Big Sports Brex- Breakfast listenership. He uh, uh, he, he was uh, he was very good in the seven minutes that you had. He was very funny. <laughs> very, very funny. Well, he, he, t- he felt disrespected. I said, I wish I could be disrespected by walking 800 metres, being paid a couple of grand and walking 800 <laughs> metres back. But anyway, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And You didn't come up and say to me you're a big sports breakfast fan and I snubbed you. That surely did not happen. Well, I, I couldn't get there. You're in and out that quick. <laughs> That's the story <laughs> of my life, Robbo. It's the story of my life. Please don't go there. <laughs> no. Great to have you listening, mate, and appreciate your heroes and villains. Just having a look through a few of the other nominations that have been thrown in there, and I, I should offer a correction as well, and thanks to the panda in the Blue Mountains. So, Happy New Year, boys. Rachel's the first international female to win a group race over there 
in the JRA jurisdiction. So that is a very valid point. There have been a, a couple of locals who have achieved that, uh, but it certainly doesn't take away from her achievement. It was fantastic to see a few people giving a pump up for Shamar Joseph, who really injected a lot of uh, spirit a fight. Yeah. Oh, so no, didn't secu- have Wi-Fi. Security guard uh, three years ago. Yep. Picked up a boar two and a half years ago. Didn't have Wi-Fi for the first until time. four years ago. Right. And then get very first delivery, gets his favourite player out, Steve Smith. <laughs> Does a lap around the ground. What a what a super! But this is this is my fear. This young kid just in that or two performances, um, and he smacked him with the bat as well. Every IPL franchise is now going. Okay, how do we how do we sign him? You know, and that's the risk now. If he, if he gets that opportunity with an IPL team, and the West Indies have a tour on during that period, he's going to play IPL. So. That's what I'm saying. I, when I see this, yes, this West Indies team is nowhere near as good as the Australian team. Yes, they are very young, but they are talented. If they could keep this team together for five years, mate, West Indies cricket has a chance of being back to where we want to see it. But I just don't know how it's going to be possible when all these 2020 franchises around the world are just paying more money um, and these talented kids who just get, they'll get picked up. I was down in Adelaide for the first two days, well, the only two days, really, and bumped into the prince down there, Brian Lara. And you should have seen the smile on his face when he saw the performance of this young kid. But his frustration, whenever they see a performance like that past players, they're almost more frustrated because they can't believe that this kid hasn't come through the system. Mm. He's in spite of the system. And so he, he says, how many others are out there? Yeah, of course. I mean, this bloke's bowling 140-plus clicks, and no one's ever taught him anything. He's just... Natural talent. It wasn't even off TV, because yep. he didn't have one for the bulk of his childhood. So uh, I see that frustration. But the, the biggest issue, to my mind, and I'm sure that both of you would like to make comment on it, when teams used to tour, they used to tour for a few months. They used to come out here, play against some state sides play against an Australia A or a Prime Minister's Eleven or whatever it might be. They make a home here, they play five tests, and they might get flogged the first two. But there's nuance to a series. These two-test series, three-test series, with no warm-ups, off the back of limited overs World Cups, they have no chance. We don't give them the chance to actually well, tour properly. We can, like, as, as much as I'm spruiking this Australian team, how talented we are, we did exactly that when we went to India. Sometimes when you go to places, actually not sometimes, when you go to places where you've got tough opposition that are very good teams in their own backyard, mate, you need preparation. I don't care what anyone says. And we didn't get our preparation right in the lead up to that series in India. Like, our cricket got better. If we'd played, (laughs) if there was two more tests, we win the series. Yeah. That's how confident I was. The way we were, we were getting comfortable with the conditions. We were, we were leaving our hard hands, going at the ball, looking to play against the spin. We left that in the first two test matches, and then we started to play the conditions. It just it takes time time yeah. to adapt. And, and teams coming to Australia, 
they if they haven't got time, they won't be able to no. do it either. And it's only going to get harder because of the schedule. It's exactly right. To find it's time. not going to change, Lewis. You're right, no, mate. And, and with sports science and the rest that certain yeah. players have to have and the IPLs and this and that going on around the world, yeah. it, it's only going to become worse. And well, we've got the best facility. So we, up in Brisbane, they produce a, a spinning, raging spinning wicket to say, right, we're going to train you for two weeks before we go to India. Mate, it's, just, it's just not the same. Mm. You know, you need to be in that country because it's everything about that country. The heat, the food, uh, the ground, the atmosphere, the people, the the energy, the culture, like all of it has an impact on you and it just takes time to get into that that space or that frame, uh, that, that mindset. And Mate, little thing, you order room service in Australia. Somebody brings a tray with your spaghetti bolognese and garlic bread and says, sign the bill, have a good night. In India, you order the exact same food at a hotel and there's 25 people that turn up with one tray and ask for photos and autographs and then the cleaners come and then it's just a very, very different world that... It's it's not it's different to here. It's a different culture, and that's I love that part of touring. But it's hard to just walk into another country and expect to play your best cricket with little prep. That's all. Cuppy from Berkeley, he realizes the scheduling conflict and the impact it's had because his villain is the BBL. How can you have a competition where blokes play all season, then bugger off to another competition come finals time? I must say the rotating roster has become problematic. A villain for Stevie J was the A-League. Poor crowds, mass sackings. They haven't taken advantage of the excitement of the FIFA World Cups. Uh, There are varying reasons for the success and varying success of the A-Leagues, but I completely agree that they haven't, for one reason or another, capitalised off the back of those World Cups. Uh, There are plenty of other heroes and villains being sent through that will make our way through throughout the course of the morning. One is MJ Clark, predominantly staying out of the papers. Oh, here, here. Well done. <laughs> that is a heroic effort I, over a summer. Well, I think our man Mido made the paper, didn't he? Mido's oh, been what did he do? What did he do? I'd say too much. Mido's but he been was in the same paper the, uh... that likes to oh. give Clarky a run every now and again. Oh, it's nice of left me alone. I, 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 thanks for giving me a compliment, <laughs> but I have no say in it. But it's nice to walk out my front door and not have cameras sitting out there. And That's what I will say. Shout out to the telly for running that article I sent them on Mido as well. Yeah. <laughs> Let's catch up on the traffic. <laughs> Great to have your company on the Big Sports Breakfast as we welcome in Adam Pengilly, an expert on pretty much all things, but primarily, of course, we will be discussing the racing, which was elite over the weekend. We got to see yet another boom two-year-old for Tullock Lodge. They are just an unstoppable force. Adam, how are you? Morning, Ben. Morning, boys. Happy New Year and too, welcome buddy. back all. Same to you, um, mate. They're flying at the moment, Ben, aren't they? Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bolt. Like, that stable with the two-year-olds is just just knocking down barrier after barrier. And it's quite scary to think how many they might have in the gold slipper in a couple of months' time. It's not too far away. We're in late January and that slipper will come up relatively quickly, albeit we've got plenty of qualifiers um, leading up to that. But Fully Leap was a horse that he probably just got under my guard a little bit there at Rose Hill on the weekend. I thought his trials were, were decent without being anything spectacular, but he just ran them into the ground there in the, in the two-odd race at Rose Hill there on the weekend. And Adrian Bott said after the race, looks like a really um, nice two-year-old. Hard to sort of peg where he sits in their, in their pecking order at the moment. Obviously, Storm Boy's the top seed after his Magic Millions win, but 
he was wound up, he was fit, he's ready to go and probably heading towards the English Millennium, you'd imagine, at his next start, albeit if he wants to try and qualify for the slipper, he might need to take a potentially a, a different route as well. Um, King Russo, I thought, was good in second for the Snowdens. Tartaglia, I think, is a really nice um, filly from the Godolphin Yard for James Cummings. We can follow out of that race, but... Uh, all honours with fully lit. He was just far too good there on the weekend. I haven't seen much racing, Adam, over the last five weeks, and I haven't sort of read or heard too much about the two-year-olds, but who are some of those standout two-year-olds? Is, is Storm Boy favourite? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Lois. Yeah. He, he's the top seed heading towards the Golden Slipper at the moment, and the market suggests that. I think uh, last week he was into about $3.50, something like that. So that's really, really short price for a Golden Slipper favourite this far out with two months to go. Having said that... Um, Gay and Adrian need to keep him together. It's hard to get a horse to peak twice as a two-year-old in the space of a couple of months. They've done it in the past, obviously, before. But just going up to the Gold Coast, having that preparation up there, then I'd imagine I'd give him a really short break at, at the moment and getting back into work and maybe go maybe one run leading into the slipper, maybe a Todman Stakes or a Skyline, something like that, to, to get him ready before the slipper. But if he holds together, he will start favourite for the slipper um, in a couple of months' time if he doesn't lose his form. And outside of that, it's still pretty open, to be fair, Loz. I was, I was sort of saying on the program last week, I must admit, I was, I've been a little bit underwhelmed with the two-year-old racing in, in Sydney so far. Um, it seems like trainers are holding their horses back a lot more and not debuting them earlier in the season and sort of waiting till a lot closer to the to the slipper to, to un, un, unfurl some of their better horses. But I think that will definitely change now. The next couple of months will be pretty much a moving feast. That market will be changing all the time. We'll be seeing nice horses stepping out on a weekly basis. Yeah, I wonder with the team, Waterhouse and Bot have a heavy hand. I feel as though from a slipper horse point of view, their A seed was Shangri-La Express. And then Stormboy mm. sort of come along and exceeded expectation and now suddenly is the number one seed for the slipper. But... Part of me just thinks if that was their plan A, how good could that horse be when we see him return? But anyway, plenty of good two-year-olds, and you're right about trainers holding them back. It used to be you need to get your money back as a two-year-old. Now we've got so much prize money in three- and four-year-old races that you can kind of afford to play the patient game, which is good. Hey, Cabalos, geez, if you're a trial perv, you couldn't have missed Cabalos, and it was nice to see it franked at the races. Yeah, he tried about as good as we've seen a horse for a while, been in the last couple of months anyway, for off-season racing. And new stable, um, obviously Bjorn Baker wanted to make a really big impression with his horse in his, in his first run, having left the Chris Waller yard. And he was just far too good from there in the benchmark 72. And he, he's a horse that's going places. He can win much better races than that. I'm sure they can probably plot their way to some sort of stakes race in the next few months and, and try and get him up and going and, and find a nice suitable race. But he was he was well back throughout the week. He ran up to his trials. And I reckon for those nice three-year-old sprints uh, on the horizon of the autumn, I reckon there's one race with his name on it, definitely for sure. Tell you what, Adam, we're getting plenty of text message in here about your failure to deliver on the BSB multi over the last couple of weeks. What's been happening? You're sounding, he's talking about that with Glee Laws, about my failure to, to, to deliver in the multi. So, um, well, obviously, obviously you would have been listening very intently, Laws, the last couple of weeks, mm. and, and you knew exactly what's going on with the multi. Um, no, the horse that I, I added to the multi a couple of weeks ago was scratched, um, which was quite disappointing. But I think I think Davos has might have got just got nutted anyway. So that was a little bit of a win. But last week I let the team down badly. Um, Davo and I combined. He had Cabalas to run top two. I had Powerful Peg to run top two, and she didn't do the business. So I've got to put my hands up in the air. I'll apologise. I'll let the multi down. But what I will say is, Loz, that. Mm. My best value bet on the program did win at Rose Hill on the last on Saturday, Boot Scooter, which was nineteen twenty dollars when I tipped it on Friday. So oh, that, Rod, do I, do, do, I get, mm. do I get some sort nah, of No, you're not for getting 
Adam, you know you're not no, going to read it from Loz. Come on, buddy. Well, I'll just read this one text message here. <laughs> it will be good to have the real BSB expert back. Not everyone has a feel for these things and offering value. Oh, Strong putting now, but excellent enjoyment the way that Laurie does. We have experts, but Laurie's a different type of friend to oh. punters and sports enthusiasts everywhere. That's from Will. It's from Will, your best yeah. mate. <laughs> it's absolutely tragic, and that's what it is. <laughs> hey, uh, did we touch on our Kobe son? I feel as though we should very quickly. Angela Davies and her strike rate with James McDonald. We sit there pouring over the form, and we try and find a little bit of an edge. Well, I think he's won six of eight for her now in excess of 80%, and it's just... Uh, well, it's a formidable combination, but that's a talent now, Kobe son. Yeah, very talented horse, Ben. And punters didn't miss him on the weekend. They climbed into him. He started the dollar sixty, or SP to the dollar sixty there, and he turned the tables on Tintuki. It was a little bit of a nervous watch for a part of the straight when he was just blocked for a run, but once that gap opened, the seas opened up. He just exploded through it. So, I've pretty much pegged him in the Cabalas um, sort of category. He's a horse and go on and win much better races than a benchmark seventy eight. He won there on the weekend, albeit it is a very tricky time of year because. The stakes races and the better class of races are going to be on our horizon pretty quickly. But if she places the horse um, as well as she can, and she does place the horses very well, he's got more wins in store too. Good to chat, Adam. Did I see you playing golf with Mido? I did, Ben. Yeah, Mido and I put up on the weekend. We had a bit of a hit up uh, in beautiful Orange, actually. We were both away for the weekend. And, um, yeah, we had a, a very a very enjoyable afternoon and even a very enjoyable night, if I can put it in those terms as well. We kicked on for a while. The fact that you're lucky you didn't end up in the paper. The fact that you haven't <laughs> mentioned the result, though, that makes me think maybe Mido got the better of you. I'll, I'll let him tell the story when he comes back next Monday, but uh, let's, just, let's just say there was only one winner on Saturday. Oh, okay, maybe I got that wrong. <laughs> well, congratulations, but we will make sure to, to pepper him. The boys will put that in their arsenal for sure. We'll chat again soon, mate. Thanks. See you, boys. Chat tomorrow.